0: Welcome to the Herd Mentality Podcast, an eclectic weekly mix of atheistic and humanistic conversations with complete strangers. I've never met them and they've never met me, but we're throwing caution to the wind, taking a risk with a dodgy internet connection, and God willing, get an interesting conversation for you to listen to. I'm your host, Adam Reeks, and it's time to meet our guests. Rightio, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Herd Mentality. On the line with us today we have a very secular bloke.
1: Who are you? My name's Chris actually but I go by at secular bloke on Twitter and I'm coming to you from Townsville at the moment where it's a nice 29 degrees Celsius in the middle oh, of winter
0: so envious and we have Mr Oz Atheist on the line too
2: yes hello Donovan talking to you from Melbourne
0: and finally we've got at Dan Abramson oh wow you got my name right awesome um, would you like, would you, would you yeah, like hello. to spell that for those who don't get it uh, yep it's a B R uh, A H
3: M to mary S, e, N,
0: and we're here for a very specific purpose to have a little bit of a chin wag about the three part series with Professor Lawrence Krauss and Dr. William Lane Craig. So two of you guys are up in Queensland and went to see the debate. That would be Circular Bloke and Dan Abramson. I saw the one in Sydney and Mr. atheist. you saw the one down in Melbourne. So we're all That's well and truly up to speed. What did you guys think about the one in Queensland? What's the brief synopsis? What was the topic?
3: Um, well, the topic
0: was, has science buried God? And has it?
3: No. Hmm. Well, because, you know, obviously people still believe, but it's buried an awful lot of gods. <laughs> Over time,
0: is that one of the points that they discussed? Like, you know,
3: well, yeah, that was pretty much the first thing that Lawrence Krauss did was sort of redefine it to say the the, the, the debate's framed as like God, big G God, meaning Yahweh, but he sort of pointed out that actually it's buried quite a few gods, little g. Mm. You know, there's no, we don't, nobody believes in Zeus or Poseidon or Thor or
0: Apollo anymore. Sadly. You know.
1: Yeah, he he, point, he he pretty much pointed out from the from the get go that has science proved disproved God, well, or buried God rather. Um, and he said, "Well, yes, he, uh, out of out of the thousands of God, we pretty much have buried them all. Um, you know, we used to have a god of fire, we used to have a god of water, we used to have a god of wind. A god, there, there's been a god for everything that was unknown in our history, uh, and they've all been buried one by one." And
0: so, what was Lane Craig's response to that? Was it just his typical "because God"?
1: The way it was set up, as you know, um, there was no there was no chance of them to have immediate response. Uh, so William, uh, sorry, Lawrence Krauss opened up. Uh, he had a fifteen minute go, and then William Lane Craig had his fifteen minute go. Um, and in the first fifteen minutes, well. I thought Lawrence Krauss pretty much knocked it out of the ballpark in his 15 minutes because not only did he sort of demonstrate that, yes, we used to have all these gods for every piece of unknown uh, part of the natural world over our history, but, you know, obviously as knowledge was acquired, different gods were killed in the process. Um, He also totally destroyed William Lane Craig's character in the first five minutes by bringing up about three or four times where... In previous discussions, podcasts and, and things of such nature, William Lane Craig has outright been dishonest, uh, and disingenuous, um, when arguing against or talking about Lawrence Krauss. And he, he played different video excer- excerpts to back up his uh, assertions. And it, and it sort of made WLC from the get-go look like, um, he was a very dishonest person. So from, from, from the start, he, uh, really demolished his character. I thought, um, Dan would have remembered that as well. So there was one, um, involving when Lawrence Krauss did a, uh, sorry, when Richard Dawkins did a an appearance about a year ago with uh, George, George Pell Cardinal Pell, Pell, Pell here and <laughs> <laughs> they were discussing e- e- evolution and you know, George Pell was saying oh well yes, you know the, the Catholic Church accepts evolution and we just see it as God guided and William Lane Craig had, had accused Richard Dawkins of asking George Pell a loaded question um, and basically accused him of sort of saying to George Pell oh okay, so you agree that we evolved from Neanderthals and saying that's You know, that's unfair because he's loaded the question up and trying to make him look like an idiot. And, of course, Krauss said that's an absolute lie and played the video, and the video clearly shows that Richard Dawkins didn't say a word. It was the moderator who basically just asked, ''Do you believe we evolved?'' He didn't mention the Neanderthals. And George Powell came out and said, well, yes, yes, I do I believe we do, of course, yes. Well, we all accept we evolved from the Neanderthals. And then, of course, there was a look of bewilderment and a bit of ridicule directed at him from Richard Dawkins, but it just sort of proved from the get-go that William Lane Craig was being dishonest in... In claiming that Richard Dawkins was trying to steer in uh, with loaded questions, Um, and there were a couple others to do with his podcast that directed it, their new film which hasn't even been distributed yet. I have seen those. Lawrence Krauss was like, "Well, how do you know that?" And secondly, it's. If you do know about it, that's technically thieving because it hasn't even been fully
0: released. Uh, yeah, I saw a tweet about it. Krauss had a link to YouTube and you could jump on and have a look at his rebuttal. It was pretty concise. Yeah, it, the whole thing yeah. took about five minutes. I
1: don't know what Dan thought about it. Were there points that you remember Krauss raising, Dan, that, uh, that, that, well, that sort
3: of. Well, as you made say, I mean, it, it wasn't really a backwards and forwards thing. So, no. like, the thing about William Lane Craig is he launched into his thing and in no way responded to the points that Krauss had made, because it's not the way it was set up. Um, But but yeah, he came out with the standard um, cosmological argument. Um, He briefly mentioned fine-tuning, which is two out of the three arguments he has, pretty much. So they're all bad. um, Yeah, and they're all bad. They're all bad. Um,
1: So nothing new. No, well, I was... I was shocked about William Lane Craig because when you watch him on YouTube videos, what he excels at is uh, rhetoric. He's, v- he's very—he's a very good debater. He's a professional debater, um, and he constantly puts across these illogical arguments, and if they're presented to an ignorant audience there's no time for the, for the people to fact check what he's saying uh, and he comes across as very persuasive and people swallow it up but but this time when he had just fifteen minutes and he had to sort of spell it out and put it on the board i mean I remember at points there were there were like mixtures of not only gasps but outright laughter in the audience from some of the stuff he came out with. His contingency argument, which he put on the board and I'm going from memory here because I don't have my oh, finger. I've
3: put it in front of me if you want me to read it out. Yeah, if you could
1: read <laughs> that out. It was, it was laughable.
3: Yeah, so that he came up with this thing. It's basically it's a set of three premises and a conclusion. The first one is every existing thing has an explanation of its existence, either in the necessity of its own nature or in an external cause. So it's basically either everything is either caused by something else or some Some things exist just because of the nature of their existence. Two, if the universe has an explanation of its existence, that explanation is God. Three, the universe is an existing thing. For, therefore the explanation of the existence of the universe is God Like yeah. that's literally what he came yeah. out with
0: Because he, he busted that out when, when I went and saw it at town hall in Sydney He put up those same points And point one, yeah, point two Because it was so early in his piece And everyone was still pretty um, polite about things Nobody really responded in the audience And the, the moderator stated at the beginning Please don't applaud, don't get involved That, <laughs> that was the short story Because the moderator wanted to run the show <laughs> uh, And then he busted out point two Which was basically the only explanation can be god. And there was sort of this ongoing silence, and it wasn't till a little bit later on that uh in his 15-minute opening presentation that he stated something else that was also completely ridiculous and unfounded. And that's when people sort of cottoned on and said, oh, OK, well, maybe it is OK that we just let him know that perhaps he's trying to pull the wool over our eyes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, if you look at that contingency argument he presents, I, I've seen better on Twitter, honestly. He, his whole The whole night was essentially a God of the Gaps argument in one form or another. And, I mean, as, as we know, I think Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson summed it up better than anyone ever has. If you want to go with the God of the Gaps argument, um, you must realise that uh, God is an ever receding pocket of scientific ignorance, because as we learn more, God is all of a sudden kicked out of that gap. And the only two, there's only really two major gaps where you can still hide him, and that's, you know, first organism, how is that formed? And there's several working hypotheses, uh, looking into abi- abiogenesis, and still um, people will will guide into that gap. Um, and, of course, the other one is first cause, what caused the big, big bang? <laughs> and, and, you know, as we all know, creationists don't say what caused it, they say who caused it, assuming it's a who. So they're about the only two places, and that's where that's where William Lane Craig certainly applies his guide of the gaps argument, obviously, in his uh,
0: All right, well, let's head down a 1,000 kilometres south of where I am, down to Donovan. What's your take on it? What was the premise of the argument? Yeah, so
2: our discussion was, is it reasonable to believe there is a God? William spoke first, and the first thing he said, he was going to reinterpret the question, which I thought, well, no, don't do that. (laughs) Just (laughs) answer the question, and he took it to mean... Are there arguments for no God that are better than the arguments for God? And that's what he argued. He spoke of his kalam cosmological argument. And he spoke about there must be a being. Like if there is a, uh, the first cause again, um, why is there something rather than nothing? That kind of thing. He said it must be a being. It must be a conscious mind. I'm thinking why? Like he, he uses the word must. As though that is proven and not just his assumption and, and that's what really bugs me about what he does.
0: The manner in which he states these things because he has a very soothing voice and it yeah, that's speaks right, with authority. and he sounds convincing
2: yeah. and you know, he sounds like he's educated and he knows what he's talking well, he's got about. A doctor in which is, front of his name. Yeah, Let's exactly. and yeah, a
1: so <laughs> He's got two doctorates in philosophy. Well, know, so I does think. Ken Hovind. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and I'm pretty sure from Dr. Carl Kruzaniski that in Australia you don't need, there's no legal requirement to put doctor in front of your name anyway, so we can all call ourselves doctor if we want. <laughs> Um, Dr. Oz Atheist. Yes, indeed. But I think, um, ours was, sounds like it was a little bit different to the, the Brisbane one, because after their first uh, opening 15 minutes each, it was very much a back and forth. They sat on um, two chairs on stage with the moderator off to their left, and it was really just an exchange, a discussion point yeah, to point. Yeah, now that
0: was the same in the Sydney one, and I presume in Brisbane? Yeah, we did have that in Brisbane as well after the opening. <laughs> But our moderator was. was well, that's great. what I want to talk about. Yeah. Who was your moderator? He was,
3: he's some bigwig from the City Bible Forum that was sponsoring it.
0: My moderator in Sydney was a, was somebody from ABC Radio National who hosts a religious show. In, in none of the debates, there was an atheist who. Yeah, ours oh, was he, an atheist. He did get an atheist.
2: Yeah, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he was, I think they said he was a professor. From I think Melbourne Uni, just I can't remember exactly. Uh, but yeah definitely definitely. And how did you here. feel
0: the moderation went?
2: He was really had very little impact. There was just a couple of times when clearly someone was sort of halfway through a point that, you know, whether it was William Alliance would try and speak over them and he'd say, just a moment, you know, let them at least finish the point before, you you know, you you point out how you think it's wrong. And then there was one topic they were discussing which sort of exhausted itself and they were still going and he said, I think we're we're done here. We can move on to the next topic or the next question. So I I thought he did quite well. He he probably could have jumped on them uh, to move on a couple of times a little faster, maybe. But you know, if I had to just be a bit picky, that would probably be. Yeah, I
0: was very frustrated at the moderation for my one in Sydney because the topic was life the universe and nothing how can something come from nothing and so forth and William Lane Craig busted out well because God and yeah. Krauss did his usual 15 minute presentation on his two dimensional universe he made it quite concise he gave an excellent overview of his professional opinion on the topic and it was quite good but when it came down to the debate and the one on they could sort of go back and forth I always kept feeling that because Krauss is a smart guy and when he's on script and he's doing his presentation is very good and he can be really concise but when he got off the script and began to get frustrated because he wasn't able to communicate his point effectively using the terminology that the audience and craig would understand <laughs> so for that reason he i felt he kept getting cut off yeah. so yeah more on the brisbane moderator
3: my issue with him
0: because i don't know whether it was the same with yours
3: but there was like we had like a little bit of backwards and forwards about some of the points and then he moves on to questions from the audience, quote-unquote. But the questions, we only got, like, three questions in about 45 minutes Mm. or something, I think. And the questions he picked were just, like, nothing questions. Like, it wasn't really... Maybe it was just a personal thing for me. I didn't find them particularly interesting or relevant to...
1: I agree. I pretty much agree with you, Dan. He was um, superfluous uh, to the whole evening, I thought. Um, I I think the best format for, for questions of these types of things, rather than it be vetted by a moderator who can be prone to bias go to the mic. Queue up. Ask your question. Yeah. Mm. Um, whereas with this format, it was tweeted in. You had to tweet in, and if you if you followed the uh, hashtag, there were there was some quite found questions in there, both from PSN and uh, APS, but yeah, just, it just seemed that none of the decent questions were asked no, by our
0: moderator. Yeah, well, my moderator certainly didn't ask any of my decent questions. I busted out uh, one to each of the panellists. The question I sent through to, which I really would have quite liked, I sent it through to Cray and ad- addressed it to him and said how do you feel you've had a positive impact with the information that you provide to people? I would have liked to have heard his response on that and I think my one to to Craig, yeah. uh, to, uh, to Kraus. Was what are your thoughts on disseminating disingenuous information and the impact it has on society? Neither of those got through.
1: No, they wouldn't. Well, the I'd other thing I found telling, if, you, if 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 you followed the hashtags and looked at all the comments from um, both believers and non-believers alive, I don't know if we can read much into this. But one thing I certainly found telling was there were so many tweets that were dissecting William Lane Craig's argument, pointing out all the all the fallacious reasoning behind them. Uh, and really picking them apart and dissecting them. The only thing I saw said against Krauss was, oh, he's yelling or or, he's shouting, he's being a bully or stuff like that. There was nothing of substance that actually said, well, hang on, that argument he's presenting is illogical, and here's why. I thought that was telling. I don't know what you Uh guys think.
2: Yeah, Yeah, exactly the same. And I had one that I could see when I was searching, someone having a go at the... I don't think they used the term scientism. But it was these people, you know, they should be paying attention to William Clay Craig when they're embarrassing themselves tweeting or something like that. And I spoke to that person and then they said, oh, I'm not actually there. <laughs> well, uh-huh. You know, they said, oh, something about all the, the one-sided tweet." And I said, well, the science side is the only side making uh, a coherent argument. And he goes, oh, I'm not actually there. I'm just judging by what I'm reading. Well, judge...
0: Ju-
1: have,
2: have yeah, but judging possible.
0: by what you're reading there were four people sitting behind me and there were two theists two atheists and i turned around and introduced myself and listened to, i kind of listened into their, their conversation and i asked them you know what are you expecting to who, who do you think will win what are you going to take away from this and they gave me their responses and i pointed out do you think at the end you're going to come away from it hearing what you want to hear i think that we're all clearly on the kraus side do you think that Perhaps we're biased in some way here?
3: One thing I will say about that is I've done another podcast about this already and one of the YouTube comments we got from I presume an atheist said that William Lane Craig's arguments are far more nuanced than we're giving them credit for and we should take him more seriously than we do. But he he provides gussied up bullshit. Like, he uses pretty words and lots of big words that have very specific meanings within a philosophical framework They don't add up to anything. They're meaningless. So I guess yes, I am biased, but I'm biased
0: against bullshit.
1: Mm. Secular blood. Yeah, I second. I second that motion as well. I mean, biased. I don't know. I like to think I go in there with an open mind. Um, and let's call him WLC for brevity. He, he uh, provided a logical argument, of course, I'd accept it. But he didn't. It was, um, and I've never seen him really argue argue for logic. It's always arguing for emotion, imploring uh, God out of the Gaps and he refers to his Kalam cosmological argument, all of which, they're not based in evidence or logical conclusions. So, yeah. And that's um, that's one thing that
3: really gets me about Craig, is that there's no way he can be unaware that the arguments he's presenting are deeply flawed. It must have been pointed out to him on numerous occasions
1: has to be. And the guy's, the guy's got two degrees in philosophy. He's no mug. Yeah, um, and There's he, he, he probably more money to be made in doing what he's doing than not doing what he's doing. I
2: don't know. One thing that Kraft said at, at ours, which <laughs> made me laugh, and I'm pretty sure he was serious. He said that his mind has changed on, on William. He said that previously he was convinced that he was just a charlatan. He actually used that word and that he implied that William didn't believe in what he said and was just really trying to make money out of it. And then said, since I think these debates and getting, I guess, getting to know him a little better that he now thinks he honestly believes what he says, he's just wrong. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, uh, another thing that Krauss said of ours was science is incompatible with stories based in ignorance and uh, I kind yeah. of agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> they spent
0: quite a deal of time discussing the definition of nothing because Krauss's definition of nothing and I think most of the audience got it was that nothing doesn't quite mean nothing mm. even though you might have a, the vacuum of space there's still quarks and so on and so forth I, I simply don't have the brain capacity to take away everything he said, it was a lot of it. Information, but it's the sort of thing that was presented in a format that made sense at the time. But Craig came in and countered that by turning it around and saying, You've been disingenuous in your meaning of nothing, and then made that the focus. It was quite clear to the audience that we understood what he meant initially, and that we didn't feel like Krauss was being disingenuous.
1: No, and I've seen Krauss argue this before, and it's essentially what's happened is the word nothing, the definition of nothing, has changed with our knowledge of what nothing is. Um, And as you say, exactly. Now we, we we understand more Well when I say we Not me Guys like Lawrence Krauss um, Understand what uh, Understand a lot more About quantum mechanics And what is contained In the state, Which what we would have 50 years ago Would have said Oh there's nothing there But now that area of nothing Is actually full of Dark matter and dark energy And quarks And all sorts of Wonderful things So it's not that he's Being disingenuous It's just that as our knowledge grows, then the definition of nothing also sort of has to adapt to that.
3: The other thing is that when when William Lane Craig uses the term nothing, he doesn't mean no thing because there's a God there. Yeah, that's true. And he he actually used nothing in the
0: sense of no thing in our our debate at one point there, and I was thinking, you know... He He did in the Sydney one as well. Yeah. Donovan?
2: I was just going to say, and that's why... The, I don't know, therefore God fails time and time again. Like, it has never ever been proven correct and, and has been proven incorrect countless times. So why these people still rely on it? Like, yep, diversity of life. And, and Lawrence actually touched on this in, in his side of the, the debate. Things like diversity of life used to be God, now we know it's not. The formation of a planet used to be God, now we know it's not. Things like thunder, lightning, rainbows. Like every time God has been posited as an answer and we now know the truth, the truth has never once been God. Yet because we are down to, you know, the very basics now of actual the start of time and matter itself, that's all they have left. But they're still clinging with it. I don't know a natural way that a universe could have been caused, therefore God. And that is going to fail as well
1: Yeah, it's, it's an argument from futility I mean, um, I can't remember who said it first Or who said it, it's famous for saying it. The de- definition of insanity Is repeatedly doing the same Thing and expecting a different result And and, and that's what they do they, they they rehash this God of the Gaps argument Which has been going since the Sumerian's First bloody wrote some shit on
2: a block of clay Yeah, yeah, since language Pretty much And and possibly even before And yeah, so I, I, I don't know why, like I, I understand that oh you know I would lean towards God oh I don't really but you know what I mean about why people are convinced by it no it must have been God why I think is it's the term I think the problem involves?
1: is I think the problem is we we live in a world that's not black and white and it's not definitive in any way Though there may be definite truths out there or absolute truths but as humans we don't know what they are we employ scientific methodology to try and get as close as we can to those truths but humans are curious by nature and they want that definite black and white answer because they need this sort of direction in their life. Some humans, I should say, because I'm not like that. You know, what we should be looking for and what size. Yeah, so you don't is. have any direction in your life. I've got one so. direction, it's to the beer fridge. He's got a he's got a toddler, he's got no definition in his life. And <laughs> that one direction was not a shout-out to the boy band, it either. Um, oh. but, <laughs> humans, but humans do tend to want or need this black and white universe. They need... This is definitely true, this is false. And I don't need that. And you know, a lot of people don't, but humans by nature tend to want that definitive answer. And you know, what, what we what we get with science, which is the best method we have, is this is what we know to be true based on all the available evidence, based on having seen it a million times before and it's always happened this way, causal regularity, or beyond all reasonable doubt, this is the fact, beyond reasonable doubt, and that's what we should be looking at.
3: On that, part of the problem is that we have still sort of partially living in an evolutionary time where if you hear rustling in the bushes, you don't have time to figure out whether or not it's a tiger or a mouse. You need to come to snap decisions and act on that decision, otherwise you get eaten. So people, humans are very uncomfortable with the unknown because we need to figure out what's going on so we can react
1: to it. You mentioned the rustling in the bushes. It's a, a false positive. It's an evolutionary survival tactic mm. that we, we mm. have. Yeah. But, you
3: know, you, you you have to react to it as if it's a, a lion because mm. the consequences of not, if it turns out to be a lion... You
1: think yeah, You only get that wrong once. Yeah, yeah.
3: So as, as a general rule, humans are very uncomfortable with the idea of, I don't know...
1: Because because of that,
3: and it's only recently since we've developed the scientific method and we have the comfort of a modern society that means that if we hear rustling in the bushes, it's probably not a lion because we've killed them all, that we can afford to take things rationally and investigate them properly and gather evidence and, you know, make decisions that way. So
0: there's there's a stigma there associated with not knowing. I love not knowing something because it's an opportunity to learn something.
1: Definitely.
0: See, you can sit down and have a discussion with a theist and explain why a particular point Might not be true, but they don't want to hear it. I'd want to hear that. I'm the same,
1: and even people in general—they're even chatting. I mean, I I tweet shit on Twitter. Um, I was on your podcast before, and I was wrong, and people tweeted me and corrected me, and I was—I was happy for it. You know, you should never be afraid to be wrong in public, in front of thousands of people. I mean, it's an opportunity to learn. Uh, it's as uh, simple as that. Uh,
0: what happens at the Nobel Prizes, uh, the, the the science prizes? A scientist stands up and says, oh, look, I was wrong on this, and they get a round of applause. Oh,
1: of course, that
0: yeah. sh- that, that's something that is a really admirable characteristic. It's a really nice trait. It should filter down through all aspects of society, but you've got to
1: save face. The thing is, in our society, the smartest people amongst our society are the most unconfident in their knowledge. And, and vice versa for vice versa for the ones at the bottom end of the spectrum. Dunning-Kruger. Mm. Yeah, yeah.
0: Guys, what are your thoughts on the advertising and the brochure that they gave us? And for listeners to the show, we got like a I ought to be a ten page little booklet thing with a tear off page at the end where you can leave the feedback and basically all of my feedback was written in caps because it seems that that might be the only thing they understand uh, mm. about the moderator. They give you a pen and you can take all your notes and so forth. but every advertisement in it is
3: religious mm. um, which is like interesting because the if you look in the inside front cover there's at least two. Organizations that are, sorry, one organization that sponsored it but doesn't get any advertising in the brochure. National not Science religious. Week.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I well, no, I think they provided publicity for the event. I don't, I'm unsure uh, okay. as to whether or not they provided financial assistance. I could not say. And perhaps, look, we can tweet it after the show hmm. if anybody finds out.
2: Well, There's... I don't have a problem with it. it. It was organized and presented by the City Bible Forum. They are selling the advertising to raise money for themselves it wasn't presented as a a secular or an unbiased oh no it'd be be no different to
0: going to a science convention you wouldn't go to a science convention and complain that there wasn't enough bible stuff in your handout
2: yeah yeah so (laughs) So it's it's
0: unfair uh, to to criticize but i suppose what i'm trying to point out is how can i get an advertisement for the herd mentality podcast into one of these how much do you think it might cost
1: In front of the feeder asked, but at least at
0: least 30 bucks but at least 30 bucks well god yeah. the show isn't even worth that much no no <laughs> anyone else got anything to add
2: um overall i thought lawrence <laughs> one hour um quite convincingly yeah um, just my notes that I, I scribbled down at one point william said that, you know, mathematics is so beautiful and so perfect that must have been God. And again, you know, the, why, why must? The fine tuning argument he went with as well, which I'm going to write a blog about because that, that's one of my pet hates that people bring that up. It's so fallacious and it just, it's just completely wrong. One of the things that he kind of brought up, which uh, is probably The one argument for Jesus' resurrection that I find bordering on interesting, I actually had lunch a few months back with Robert, who is the director of City Bible Forum in Melbourne, and I'm going to be doing a a chat with him later next week about the debate. He actually presented it. He hosted our event. One of the things that he said that he believes there is a God because believes that Jesus was resurrected and he sent me a a YouTube video where he presents that case and we we spoke about that a little bit when we had lunch. And one of the things that he said that is interesting is that the the Jews used to worship on the, Saturday or the Friday night through to the Saturday, I think it was. And when the Christians came along, it got shifted to the Sunday. And his argument is that happened because Jesus came back. Where well, obviously, I don't believe that. But it's the one thing I find interesting is why did that shift? And I said to him, OK, even if we do accept the day of worship shifted between the, the early Jews and the, the Christians, to say that it must have been because Jesus is, is just a leap and we actually need to find out why it happened and not just assume it was Jesus. But yeah, William touched on that as well. He just, all the arguments that he had, and I think I tweeted at the time, particularly his first 15 minutes, I said... I know plenty of Twitter atheists who could have argued against everything he just said. Mm.
0: Is it possible that mm. Jesus was perhaps a twin?
3: <laughs> well, the the day shifted for the same reason that we're in 2013 AD. I'm well, I'm, I'm, I'm like, talking
0: about uh, back from the dead. I'm thinking some sort of elaborate hoax, like they're doing the Disney films. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe maybe he was kissed by a man. And then hang on, oh, wait, no, no, that no, d- no, none of that happens in the Bible, <laughs> and I'll have none of that homosexual rhetoric on my show, please. It's an adult oh, podcast. <laughs> yeah.
1: I can't believe you're being so blasphemous <laughs> on the Lord's Day. Oh, I it. It's
0: true. We're recording on a Sunday <laughs> and I think well, I know Secular Bloke, you've got a beer in hand. I've got a beer in hand.
2: Uh yeah. <laughs> I'm drinking a Pinot Water at the moment.
0: And uh Dan. Oh. I, I
3: just finished a short Mac. He's from Caboolture, he's and glue. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Only the finest.
2: Oh, well, that'll
0: put you in the right frame of mind Telly. to go and watch Ray Comfort's new film. Oh, God, I'm oh, not touching
2: oh, a... no. <laughs> it. Oh, my God. I've seen about half an hour of it.
0: I think yeah. I'd rather be sodomised with a banana. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, look, I'll post you one out after the shows. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> That's right, No worries. D- uh, Donovan, your blog address?
2: Mr. Thank you very much.
0: And Queenslanders, banana benders. <laughs> Talk to me. Anything else you'd like to finish up with? Uh, if I may,
1: yes. Just three very, very quick points. Point one, uh, sorry for drinking for three hours before I come on your show because it'll make editing a bitch. Point two, if anyone's listening out there, those three people that are listening, can you please just take two minutes of your life, go over to www.brashat.org.au. have a quick look at the website. It's uh, a mate's sister's charitable organisation dealing with ataxia telangiectasia, which two kids had, Brayden and Ashley. That's why it's called rush And just retweet the link if you don't mind. Raise awareness because they desperately need awareness. Um, it's a very unknown disease and the more awareness the better. And the third point was Dan, myself and uh, Donovan have uh, organised a mandate in November, so I shall get the date to you. Oh, is that for me? Oh. And and Adam, you're more than welcome if you wish to fly up and you can, uh, uh, you'll have to rewrite the, uh, or re record the opening to your show because then you would have met someone. Uh, no,
0: look, we can't have that. Uh, all it means <laughs> is that okay. you'll um,
1: not be welcome on the show anymore after
0: I've met you. Well, I don't
1: <laughs> want to come back on because then everyone will start likening me to that <laughs> Dan that Errol. Uh, Dan, Dan, <laughs> Dan Errol. Stop Errol. saying it wrong. <laughs> I've it, I prefer it to be pronounced dan Ahrel. Yeah, yeah, like Arrol <laughs> Flynn. That's how I remember it. <laughs> oh, he'll be so happy oh, he got a shout-out. Like.
0: We won't be able to shut him up.
3: I can, I can,
1: picture, his, I can picture his little groom now, but like I, his Abby. We were oh. so
3: close. I was going to do my shameless self-promotion. The show was going to end. We we're no, were not. we not going to mention him. Yeah, and ruined we it. We
0: almost got through. Okay, well, you get the last say, yeah. Dan. Let's hear it. Alrighty,
3: well... I will right, we'll follow that up with some shameless mm-hmm. self-promotion. Uh, I am the co-hostess with the hostess of a podcast called Scientism, uh, which you can find on Twitter at, at S-C-I-E-N-C-I-S-M, Scientism. We do it every week. We try and explain the news in science for the week in terms that a layman could understand. Uh, so if that floats your boat, please go and what check it out. What is
0: layman? It's someone who lays men. It's the guy on the uh, bottom. Look, what did I Absolutely. say about this nonsense on the show? <laughs> what? Oh, sorry. Keep, keep going. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, uh, that's Out of I mean. an interest, I'm not, but if I had to be, I'd be a top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's that's the fourth face, point.
3: But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, like us, provide
0: feedback. Excellent whatever. show. That's all I have. And thank you for coming on mine, guys. Thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So I'll put this together and whip it out on the internet. That's what she
2: said. Are we still talking about the show? (laughs) Yeah, I got in trouble for that.
0: Gentlemen, we've had at Secular Bloke, at Mr. Oz Atheist and at Dan Abramson. Thank you very much for coming on and no doubt I'll see you on Twitter. Thanks, Adam. Cheers.
1: I wish you bastards were up here in towns. we drinking oh, piss with you. Thirsty.
0: You know. <laughs> oh, we didn't talk about the Canaanites. Oh,
2: Canaanites. Oh,
1: we forgot the fucking Canaanites. Yes, did he say that at your
0: gigs down south? Yeah. No, the Canaanites didn't get a rap. Uh,
2: but they were meant to oh, yeah, briefly. Did
0: he, did he apologise for genocide in
3: any way?
1: It was bad. Like, um, Lawrence Krauss, he tried to, he tried to question Krauss on science can't sort of dictate morality. And he said, well, how about biblical morality? Like, God wasn't very kind to the Canaanites. And Krauss, they, uh, sorry, William Lane Clay turned around and said, well, they basically got what they deserved. And it doesn't matter that he killed babies and kids because they all go to heaven anyway. What?
2: Yeah, um, Krauss put up That's a, what he said, an and there was a email. big gasp. Yeah, Krauss put up an email from from William that explained exactly that. And, yeah, yeah it, it was amazing.
0: That's pretty surreal. Yeah. And he didn't
3: even have the decency to blush while he was saying
1: it. Well, that probably got the biggest reaction out of the crowd in uh, Brisbane, apart from the laughter when he explained his contingency uh, argument. That one got gasped. Yeah, no, almost, I have a you know, feeling
3: quite a few of the theists in the audience would have had a problem with that one.
1: Oh, absolutely! I mean, come on—we've all got friends and family who are who are Catholic or Christian or Baptist or whatever they may be. They would have been in, in, your, in your opinion. If my mother was there. She's a devout Catholic. She would have been disgusted. In your opinion,
0: that. guys, would any of one have walked away from the debates having changed their minds? No,
2: no,
1: no. I, I okay. I, well, I changed my mind about William Lane Craig. I thought he was a lot better. Than what he was that night. I think he was having an off night, but then he went on to have two yeah, more yeah,
0: off nights. No, he wasn't winning down here. It was, it was the consensus you know as thinking? well. Like my, the... the lady friend said to me, "Yeah, because she's not one way or the other. She takes an interest in it because I do, and she got the tickets and off we went." As we walked out, she said, "Geez, that um that Craig fella got his ass handed to him."
1: Yeah, yeah. And now I'm sort now that I think about it more and look back, I'm sort of asking myself, "Well, was he ever?" a really good arguer, or has it been that I haven't watched him on YouTube in 18 months or two years, and I've seen so much similar bullshit in that time that it just doesn't impress me anymore? Yes. And I think it's probably the latter. Yeah. I think I'm just so used to seeing these same nonsensical arguments, and um, where I might have been a bit more impressed by them two years ago now, as soon as they open their mouth and say the first five words, i think, oh, here we go, this one again.
0: This week's Crazy Herd Mentality bonus material is me talking about me. So if you'd like to tune out now, here's your opportunity. Otherwise, stick around, Thrill Seekers. Hi, guys. So thanks for getting this far with me. I've really enjoyed the trip so far, and I've got a long way to go with this project yet. I've got a lot of things I want to do. I wanted to be really open and honest about what I want to achieve here. I've discussed it previously on Twitter, but not everybody who listens to the show would have caught that. My goal is to earn a sustainable living doing this work, so I'll give you a bit of a backstory. I used to run a sales and marketing business of five years. It grew to be quite successful, and I had four staff with a lot of expenses. The day before Christmas, ironically, uh, in 2011, I got a phone call from one of my major clients who halved our income and put my business to the wall over a period of six months. I had to let my staff go, and it was probably the most challenging thing I've ever had to do. It took a year to decide where I wanted to go with my life, and I've decided this is it. I'd like to create content that's helpful and entertains people. So, having now told you the sob story, here's how I want to put my life towards something. There's a disclaimer here. I worked in sales and marketing, so you should understand that you're being sold to, but I'd like to do this as a fun thing. With the help of Tanner from Atno Godcast, and especially Dominic VFX, who I can't speak highly enough about. We've put together a website, herdmentalitypodcast.com. So pull it up in your browser now. I think Everyone's done a spectacular job. The site looks really, really cool. All the content relating to the show is now in one place in a single link. My cunning plan is to ask each of you for a small favor. If you enjoy the show, click on the donate page and send me half a coffee each month or what I'm calling $2 tithing. It's all I'm asking for in return for about eight episodes a month, which is value for money. If you really enjoy the show and you can afford it, then you can swing me 5 10 or $20 a month. If you'd rather not do that, I'll make you a customized voicemail or read your eulogy, record it and send it to your as an mp3 and you can pay what you think it's worth i'm not a non-profit organization but i really do believe in generosity to others less fortunate than i am so i'm going to donate 10 percent of everything i earn from your donations to kiva.org which helps those in developing countries get back on their feet and lift them out of poverty i'll be giving to women specifically as this is where i feel i can affect the most change As Dominic put all the hard yards in for the website, we'd both appreciate it if you put a few dollars in his tip jar via the website. So in essence, the $2 tithing, which is $24 a year, will help me out a great deal. It's not a lot of money, but if a thousand people chose this option, I'd be able to pay some bills. Once this is sustainable, I have a book project I'd like to be able to dedicate some time to, and I think you'd really enjoy the topic, but I can't say what it is quite yet. The podcast will always be free, so if you can't contribute financially, I'd really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend or leaving me a review in iTunes. But not just any review, please make it a really funny one. I hope all of this is clear. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at adam at and I'll be happy to answer them. Thanks for listening and no doubt I'll speak to you on Twitter.